Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. And today with me, I have a very special guest, Kalen Jones. Kalen, it's good to have you with it's me. It's nice to be here, Doc. So <clears throat> I met Kalen, I guess, through Facebook first. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And um, I don't know, did I follow you or you follow me? Or? I think I added you in a weird little adding spree I was on yeah. at some point. Yeah. And so, um, we got to talk and became pretty good friends, and um, just you—you you have an interesting story, interesting background, and so I uh, wanted to, to share that with our listeners today. So, tell me a little bit about where you were born. So, I am born from here in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I was born to my mom, Crystal Jones. Uh, my father at the time, which I recently found out, was not there, and that's not his fault. He stood up for family and ended up, you know, having to deal with prison and things like that. And so being raised, I kind of guess I was in the wrong situation and my mom was not able to really take care of me or put me in a good environment. My aunt decided, hey, he's coming with me. And so um, I got raised by my aunt and my uncle um, and their relationship has just taught me so much throughout life and whatnot. So your dad's in prison or was Was, at that point. And your mom just, you're an only child, I guess? Uh, so I was an only child until my brother was born a few years after me. Um, so it was me, my cousin Brianna, uh, who's 21, I think. And then it was my brother. Okay. All right. So, but your brother then was raised by? My mom. By your mom. Yes. Brother. And different dads. Okay. And how many years, did you say three years between? Probably three, three to four years between apart. Okay. So growing up, did you find it? A little odd that your brother lived with your mother, but you didn't? I actually found it odd very much. Um, and to where most people are like, oh, that's a hard situation to come by. Or like, why is it that it has to be this way? I never noticed. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention to it, nor did I let it stop me from doing really anything in life. Because as far as I knew, I was being taken care of. I had food, all the candy I wanted because I'm a candy <laughs> addict. Uh, I went to school. I played sports. I had someone always cheering me on. I never worried about anything and I still got to see my mom on holidays or whenever I wanted to. And so it never was really a big, like, Oh, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that awkward when you got together. No, not even meeting my dad was awkward. Okay. Did you, do you know if your brother ever felt like maybe he was getting the short end of the stick by? Oh no, my brother's spoiled. We're we're both spoiled. (laughs) I'm spoiled by my aunt and uncle. He's spoiled by our mom. So we both got spoiled with hot chips and video games and whatever it is we wanted. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, growing up into, I guess you're a Little Rock native. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yes. And uh, so where did you go to school? So I started my school at CAC, Central Mm -hmm. Arkansas Christian Private School. Um, Go Mustangs, (laughs) woohoo. And then eventually after about, I think it was eighth grade. I got moved into Maumelle High School, which was just built kind of at that time. 
that transition itself was like probably one of the hardest things I had to deal with as a teenager. Um, going from wearing a uniform to not wearing a uniform, going from not smelling drugs in the hallway to mm. drug dogs, cops, security guards, teachers not caring. Um, I mean, it was the biggest transition and it was actually probably where I struggled the most in life, honestly. So when you say you struggled the most, like emotionally or physically, was what kind of uh, struggle was there there? So emotionally, mentally, and physically, actually. Um, spiritually, it was actually my strongest growing point, which is weird because everywhere mm. else it's like not going that way. But I dealt with acting out as a child. So I dealt with acting out at school. Um, I tried to impress everybody. I, I was not, you know, the popular kid. I wasn't the loser. I wasn't the geek. I never sat down at a lunch table. I would go and hang out with everyone. The rednecks are who I love the most. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and not that you have many options. Not, not many options. No. Yeah. I went from having athletics seventh period and always working out to the coaches didn't care if you worked out or not. You were just there in the field house hanging out till football practice. From being able to play whatever sport I wanted to, to you have to try out because we don't have enough spots for on the team for everybody. And so, the private school was more of a family. It was more of a community. And even though I was one of like probably 30 black people there, I still got cheered on and accepted and loved and got to hang out with them and their families. I went to public school. I didn't hang out with anybody. No family was just like, hey, you're so-and-so. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't much cheering on. I didn't really play sports. I just sat back and I guess went through the normal life of a teenager and dealing with the acting out and being, trying to gain, I guess you could say a status in this life, which backfired because I did not gain a status. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy I didn't gain that status. Right. So uh, did you mention, and if you did, I'm sorry, but w was there a reason that you moved from uh, Arkansas yes. Christian or Central Christian, right? Central Arkansas uh, Christian. To, to pr public school? So I am not the fastest learner. Mm -hmm. I have learned I have learned over time I'm a processor. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got suspended three times in elementary school and uh, at CAC um, for stealing. Mm -hmm. I loved candy. You know, my logic was if we bought it and put it in the toy chest, it was our candy. And I was just getting it back. Makes <laughs> and, sense. Makes perfect um, sense. Makes sense. But when you're in a Christian school, they want to raise you correctly. Mm -hmm. And so um, I definitely deserved every suspension I got. And that's okay. I, that was the best time I did homework. But we had a little problem with that. So then we come over to the high school. There's no toy chest or candy chest or anything like that. But there's a lot of homework. Mm -hmm. And me and homework and organization do not go together in the same boat. I also don't learn at the same pace as many people in my classes were learning. And so my aunt in the school had like the secret meeting behind my back and decided, hey, it would be best if he went to another school so he could learn at his pace and learn at the pace with people like him. And so did that happen? No, I learned how to cheat. I learned that Google has a lot of worksheets that have the answers to everything. But at the same time, I'm truly grateful for that, that transition to a public school because it opened my eyes up to really what the world is like. Right. And, and I don't have anything against private schools. But I think that kids that are raised in private schools are very sheltered from yes. from the world, and a lot of times come out with even more of a sense of entitlement yes. than than kids in public school. But I think it it's interesting that 
They wanted you to go to public school so that you, there could be a different learning method as to where you would think that a private school would try to cater to what you would need yeah. to learn. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was AP classes versus regular classes and pre-AP. And it was the same thing at the public school. At the same time, I think my aunt really, I think my aunt more pushed for me to go to a public school so that I could be like, have that cultural shock. And that way, when I do come out, I'm not like, I could see like how grateful I was to have that shelter, to be spoiled, to do really whatever I wanted to do. Cause that public school, it was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did your other cousin, did they go to private school and then to public school as well? Or was that just so exclusive to you? The big three, me, my cousin, and my brother, we went to, we all got to go to private school at the start. And then we transitioned all to public school. Uh, I think my brother actually went to public school more than any of us did. So he was used to all that. Um, my little cousin, she was used to, I mean, she could make friends with anyone. She was the sweetest, she's the sweetest person on the planet. So she's used to that. Me, I'm sitting here like, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> the first day there was a bomb threat. Mm. And I mean, there were probably bomb threats every other day. There was a gun on campus one day. And so for me, I'm just sitting here like, I don't understand. Like, why is it like this? This is a great building, amazing, you know, but it's just different. Mm -hmm. Was when you got there, was it a different kind of social construct with people that you were hanging out then with, with a peer pressure and things of that nature too? Yes. Like the first thing that was said to me was, oh, you're that proper speaking kid. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? They were like, can you say a sentence for me? I'm just like, Hi, my name is Kaylin. Like, I don't like, mm -hmm. and then to see different, I guess at CSC, we all hung out together. So the lunchroom, it was everyone sitting with everyone. There you have, you literally see separation. You see, and this is what I think is wrong with like today's society in a way, is like there's so much separation at just the lunch table, not even classes, just at the lunch table. So you had your athletes here, your rednecks were outside, always with a can of dip or something like that, talking about, God knows what cheerleaders sat here. Preppy people sat there. Geeks sat over there. So it was just like so much separation. Therefore, I'm sitting here. I'm just like, I want to talk to everybody because <laughs> I'm not going to just classify myself as one of these things when really I'm technically like all of these things. Right. And so how did that work out for you? It was hard. It psychologically messed with me because this group didn't like that group. So if I hung out with that group, well, now this group thinks I am associated with that and they're going to judge me based off of that. Or I wanted to be accepted by this group, but they don't accept this group. And so it was like, I didn't find out who I really was. I just kind of conformed into whatever group I was with at the present time. Gotcha. So you were kind of a chameleon. You just yeah. blended in wherever you were at. Yes. So how did home life change from private to public school? It didn't really change, except I, I was at home more because I didn't have athletics. Got you. So did you not want to play uh, sports at, in public school? or I wanted to, but the way they chose who played was, uh, it was like popularity vote. The coaches, some of them really didn't care about coaching. And, and that's cool and all, you know, I, I wasn't like that. And then it's just, once again, they had limited space. And so... It was like, you know, what what can I do about that? And so if I didn't make the team, I didn't make the team. Like I could play basketball, but I'm not going to try out for basketball because 
really those kids were actually more athletic than the private school kids. Mm. And I think it was because they were more hungry or they had had more um, grit or, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but they just seemed more determined to be more successful at sports. And so I was sitting there like, usually I could just walk on. I'm good. Well, now I got to compete. So I'm kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I think I can, I think I can do without sports. Right. Right. So what was your sport of choice at at private school, wrestling. Wrestling. Wrestling was my sport of choice. I, I would not have guessed that. Not many people do. Yeah, I did gymnastics at a young age, and I wish I would have like. Yeah, stuck I could with see it. gymnastics. Yeah, I, I wish I would have stuck with that. But wrestling was was my go to. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, you're what like five seven. Five seven. Yes. Yeah, and maybe a hundred and thirty. I'm one fifty seven. Okay. Well, I was off on the on the way, but it's muscle. It's muscle. <laughs> it's all not muscle. Fat. Yeah. yeah. I lost seven pounds actually. So uh, I'm like, wow. Well, I found it. I, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So um talking about, you know, how you spoke properly. Mm-hmm. Uh of course, you know, I was in the hospital a week or so ago and had my appendix taken out and then um I went back so my whole left side went numb and I thought I was having a stroke. And they sent this um speech pathologist in to listen to my my speech and she said um can i ask you what kind of work you do because you articulate very well and i'm going i do <laughs> you know uh cuz you know, we're in arkansas so yeah. what articulation means here is completely completely different. different uh just you know 20 miles from here yeah so it it's interesting in how people notice those little things and then it becomes kind of a big deal. Yeah. And so then you were probably expected, maybe not by teachers, but by peers to be the guy who was really smart and could get it all done. Yes. And so you had this outward appearance of an internal conflict. Yes. Okay. So now moving from public school, I, I'm going to assume you graduated from from yes. public school. Uh, did you go into college? So my aunt, who will throw master degrees in your face like it's <laughs> nothing, um, she wanted me to go to college. Now, I wanted to go the military route, and they did allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I joined the Guard, um, got to basic, had some problems, and You were still in candy again. I was still in fourth meal snacks, yes. <laughs> um, no, uh, I had an injury prior to that, and uh, I just I just couldn't do it, and so I left. Uh, I chose not to stay there. Uh, I regret that now. Wish I would have gone back, but um, my aunt had me in school, so I went to Arkansas State BB. Mm-hmm. We learned that I am not good in a classroom, and so we stuck with online, got my associates last year, and now I'm on my way to my bachelor's in criminal justice. Gotcha. So you have an associate's in general- Crim- criminal Crim- log- criminology. Crim- okay. Criminal criminology. Yeah. See, there's my enunciation <laughs> is completely gone. So uh, majoring in that, what was your end goal or what is still your end goal with a bachelor's degree in? If I could, I would love to become a police officer or some form of law enforcement, whether it be government or just city or local. But I always have this like desire to help people and protect people. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to use that to be able to do something like that. Is it going to be easy? No. But I believe that's that's kind of where if you want to fix a problem, you have to join mm-hmm. whatever constitution is creating the problem and fix it from the inside. Right. Yeah. Um, so I find it interesting that you said, if I could become a police officer, 
So what mentally do you think is holding you back from that? Mentally, probably not that much. I did go to Bridgeway as a child. Mm -hmm. um, I had a therapist as a child because I was acting out. And it's really, that's what I was doing. I was wanting attention. And once I got it, I was like, okay, this isn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and so overcoming that boundary um, there. And then on top of that, I mean, they just make it so hard nowadays. They need everyone, but they make it harder for people that really want to do it to become to be able to do it. So taking a test, I'm not good at tests. The physical part, easy, right? Learning so much in a shorter time period than you really should learn it. That's also kind of like one of those, that's kind of be hard for me because I'm a processor. Mm -hmm. And then just the way society is nowadays, it's like, it's not socially acceptable, you know, especially as a black male to become a cop because police are doing this, that, and the other. And so it's one of those, it's a lot to overcome just to do a simple, I want to protect someone. Right. So you may or may not know this, but I was a police officer for seven and a half years uh, in North Carolina. And um, I can tell you that I didn't have any problem in the academy except for the physical fitness side of it. And uh, in North Carolina, you have to pass the POPAT, which is the police officer's physical agility test. And um, my first day in the academy, I was sitting there uh, behind a table and this lady walked in and she was older. I mean, obviously gray hair. Um, she, she had on a full dress uniform with cauliflower on her, which, you know, is major. Yeah. And I'm like, well, she's one of our instructors, <laughs> you know, like, wow. And she come and sat down beside me and she said, hi, I'm Lila Love. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, major love. That just doesn't, you know, that just, <laughs> she was 72 years old. Wow. And went through the police academy because she was a administrative major and she wanted to get into the investigative side. Wow. And so she and I really teamed up on having to learn how to do push-ups <laughs> and set-ups and jumping jacks and all that kind of stuff. So we stuck together and we made it through. Uh, and I think that's that's so important for us to understand is that while we are individuals, we really do need each other. Yeah. And so in, in the social construct, how do you, which I guess jumped ahead quite a bit, mm -hmm. but uh, you now do uh, personal fitness. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing work-wise now. Uh, so work-wise right now, I'm actually with Limitless Life Nutrition. Um, so I help cook meals, uh, meal prep for people that are that have fitness goals. And then I also work at American Pie. And this is all to pay for my TV show that I'm working on. And then I also am a fitness model. So therefore, I have to continue working out. I would out. have never guessed. Yeah. yeah, no one ever does. And then I'll, I do personal training on the side as well. So multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. Which American Pie do you work at? The North Little Rock one. So it's right by the, the mall, Kroger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you haven't worked there long. No. You? Okay. Because that was our regular after Sunday church <laughs> eat place like every Sunday. And I'm like, oh, do we have to go? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... In doing all of this, uh, how do you keep – well, let me back up and say it's hard for me sometimes as a therapist to differentiate between friendship and, and personal mm -hmm. um, or, or professional. 
Um, and even in your and I talking, sometimes I had to say, okay, I'm going to talk to you now as a friend and not a psychologist mm-hmm. or as not a friend, but as a mental health professional. How do you differentiate that in, in what you do? I think everyone has a story. And I think this is the biggest, like, dividing factor in the world today and and really in life, I think, as you go out, is not everyone's willing to listen to someone's story. Mm -hmm. And so there are some people I've worked with at LA Fitness where I'm just like, if I saw that guy on the street, I would never talk to him. But because I got to know him from working with him, oh, he's actually a really cool, caring person who just grew up this way. And this is what he knows. And so I try to, everyone's my friend. I I don't care what your title is. I don't care if you're over me. I don't like, you're human. That's what you are. So I'm going to treat you But not everybody gets a text back. Not everyone gets a text back. You're right. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, I probably got 14 right now, but not everyone gets a text back. Uh, I try to text as fast as I can and as quick as possible, but it just doesn't work for me all the time. I I like to sit down and I just want to know people's story. Like what led you to where you are now? What decisions did you have to make? What decisions you might have chose to make? What have you overcome? Just kind of like we're doing now. What did you overcome? What have you been through? You know, because that will tell me like, okay, this is you. This is what made you you. Therefore, now I have no grudge against you. I can't judge you. I I might not like you, but at least I respect you enough to understand, okay, this is why you're the way you are. Right. Because everybody has a story. Yeah. And, and I also, uh, I say a lot is if you really look at somebody you will find something good in them. Yes. Anybody, you will find something good. We live in such a such a world that we're too busy yeah. to just sit down and listen. And I think that's why relationships fail and and friendships fail. And, you know, we'll talk to somebody on the regular for a week and then not ever hear from them ever again. Once again, it goes back to everybody needs somebody. Mm-hmm. In the realm of personal fitness, I'm going to make a lot of assumptions here just based off of people that I have uh, counseled with that were in the field that you're in. You've got a lot of people that want you to be their friend. Yes. But not a whole lot of people want to be your friend. Correct. Correct. So it's it's sad, actually. It's one of the saddest things, I think, that control the fitness world because you do have goals yourself. And so when you take your time away from your own goals to help someone else, just for them to be like, oh, I got what I wanted. Now I can go away. It kind of sucks. It's just like, well, I spent all this time on you that I could have spent on myself, Mm -hmm. right? Or all this money or whatever it was I spent on you, I could have spent on myself or someone who actually needs my help or needs me. And so most of us get looked at for our body and, and that's about all anyone cares for. And once people are like, okay, cool, I got a picture with them or I got to sleep with them or whatever the case may be, I can go find the next person that looks as well. Like, and so it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. With everything, there comes kind of a curse with, you know, and even in, and you and I talked about this, I think is like, if you made a very serious post and you were fully clothed, yeah. there wouldn't get any attention hardly. Exactly. But you could have the same exact message with your shirt off and it, hundreds it would Hundreds of likes. Yeah. Hundreds of likes. Mm-hmm. It gets more attention. And I think that's the downfall of social media and the fitness world today is because you're popular, because you just happen to get lucky, you can make a post and it get thousands of likes, but you say, I like carrots. 
On the flip side, someone who's- I like turtles. I like turtles. You know, I like whatever, you know, I like cotton candy, you know, Lucky Charms. Are are you young enough to, or old enough to get that reference? I I like turtles. I think so. Okay. If not, I'll show you later. Okay. Okay. But um, someone who is struggling, who has been through like probably the worst travesty ever, they could make a post where they pour their heart into it and get five likes. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you want real or do we want fake nowadays? Mm-hmm. What do you want? I, um, which I'm not on TikTok anymore, but when I was, I had a little over 300,000 followers and I could make a, a TikTok about suicide prevention or November being suicide mm-hmm. prevention month. And, and it might get a thousand views, uh, or I could make a video about, which I made one today on Instagram about boanthropy, which is a psychological condition where a person believes that they are a cow, like literally physically a cow. Uh, And there is no cure for boanthropy. And it goes all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar, where it said that the man was uh, out roaming the field as an ox and Mm -hmm. eating the grass. Yeah, That was boanthropy all the way back. So make something like that and it get a million views, you know, and, and, and I'm just going, what is going on here? But then you're trying to figure out the algorithm to make sure that your stuff's getting out there. And, and it's just crazy where people are attracted yeah. to certain things. You could make a post in this studio with this background. I could make the post say the same exact thing with the same drive that you have, and you would get more views than I even if we had the same amount of followers. And it is because we are so vain. Mm -hmm. We live in a a vanity world. And I really think that that keeps us from a lot of good things in life. Yes, it does. It truly does. Yeah. So uh, recently, um, you and I really got to know each other, I think, over a a relationship that you had. Yeah. Tell me a little bit. Of, I know about it, but our listeners, tell tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so recently, there was a bikini competitor named Emily that I met on Facebook who was a wife with no husband, um, <laughs> which- I've met some of those. Which I was just like, okay, that's, that's different. That's new. And um, I knew like, and this is another problem with social media. Every guy is sliding into the DMs for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sad. I even have that problem. I have that problem. I, I have the problem. No, I'm talking about guys here. sliding into my DMs oh, for something. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. right there with you. And I'm just like. Well, I mean. Exactly, right? So uh, it's hard to differentiate who wants to be friends and who's like just trying to, you know. But I, I wanted to become a friend. And I could tell, like, you can tell usually when someone's been through some things and they've had some struggles and they just need someone to show them the love that they deserve or the care or the time, attention, whatever the case may be. And so uh, we started talking and I don't know how we ended up becoming a couple. I don't know what happened. I don't know how feelings got involved, but they did. And so I am someone who never gives up on anyone, but I also don't like being giving up on as well. And that comes all the way back to my childhood. Like I I have problems with people wanting to leave. And there are many quotes out there that I can quote where it's like, hey, if they leave, let them go, let it go, right? Your past is your past, let it stay there. And so I would always fight for our relationship and I'd spend countless hours up at night just like, God, what's going on here? I mean, I'm praying my addiction to pornography, gone, um, looking at other women, social media, everything was just gone for 18 days. And next thing I know, come what was it, Saturday, when I'm supposed to be up there Friday uh, to come out and see her, 
she completely cut me off from everything. Just, just left everything. And it hurt a lot because I gave so much and I care so much for this person, especially learning her story. And that's the, one of the biggest things about me is once I invest in someone, I invest in their story. I feel their pain. I feel their loneliness or their darkness, whatever the case may be. Like I take it on with them because I, I want you to know you're not fighting alone. Because you're an empath. Yes. And I genuinely care because I know the next guy that comes along, he probably only cares because you look hot and that's all he wants. And that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. And so here I am planning my whole life with this person, talking about kids, marriage and so forth, so on. And just gone like that in a blink of an eye, like just gone. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of narcissistic tendencies that that I kind of, in your and I talking, that I kind of picked up on that I don't think necessarily you did, but no, there was that contributing factor of love, yes, going on in in your heart. And so, uh, looking back now, that you're kind of, I'm not going to say you're out of love, yeah. but but it's not as fresh. Do you see some of the things that that I was talking about that was really controlling or trying to be controlling? Yes. Um, So Jay Shetty, who's a monk who I love to death, he has a quote where it's the way you're treated by, and I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but the way you're treated by someone is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. Yes. And I know that quote by heart and I just was blinded by love and I wasn't paying attention to it. And so when I look back and think about it, especially what happened after I got social media back, I realized like it wasn't anything I did. It wasn't that my love wasn't good enough or that I wasn't good enough. It was just that she didn't know how to handle it. Maybe she didn't want it. Maybe this was too much for, you know, it was something that she just wasn't ready, which is weird because usually people use my age against me how uh, and that I'm 24 okay. and she was 25. So, you know, little, you know, women mature a lot faster than sure, guys. Sure. And so, uh, I'm sitting here like, maybe she just wasn't ready to fully commit to someone. She wanted to be free, party, have fun all that fun. And you know what, if that's what you want, love it, support it. I'm happy for you. But she, I'm not going to use the word made. Yeah. But she manipulated maybe is the best word. Yeah. You into getting off social media completely. Yes. Now as a fitness model, that probably isn't the best business plan. No. And and what t- what again was her excuse for wanting you to do that? She said that I was gaining the world and losing my soul. And really she was right in a way. I was getting the attention that I've always wanted, not being the popular kid to becoming the popular guy and getting all the likes and all the followers and all that stuff. But at the same time, I wasn't being me, mm-hmm. all right? I wasn't being real with the people following or liking my things. And so uh, it was just a show for them. It was a show for the world, honestly. And so when she said it and I deleted it, I found peace. I didn't feel the need to impress. I didn't feel the need to say, I never took a picture. <laughs> like, like I was- uh, Come on, tell the truth. I didn't take a picture. Okay. And so I was good. I was, it was just me and her talking. I didn't really talk to any, like I deleted everything. Everything, like females, gone. Everything was just gone. Everybody but me. Everybody but you. <laughs> just about. You and family. That's all I had. And so when I think back on it, it was like, I want to do this TV show. Well, I can't do that now because, boom, she doesn't want someone with social media. So let me not do this. Let me not continue to train people. Let me step away from you know fitness modeling and all this stuff. And so 
now that I think about it, I'm like, dude, you had all these great ideas and you just threw them all away for this person who you've only known for a short amount of time. And never met in person. And never met in person. What's wrong with you? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, it honestly makes me think back to my first actual heartbreak and how painful that hurt. And so when I looked at this situation, uh, I was just like, you know what? It doesn't hurt like I thought it would. And that's because I've been through a worse heartbreak that truly broke me. And if I wouldn't have gone through that, then I'd probably be depressed right now, like eating a bag of Skittles laying in bed or something. You said it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's not when you're me. I, I yeah. eat Skittles all the time. Yeah. So. so how are you handling just being cut off completely? Completely fine. Out of sight, out of mind. I mean, it's... Now. 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 Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Thomas Shelby in the Peaky Blinders has this amazing quote because I always go to Pinterest for Thomas Shelby quotes. And he says, my past is my past. It will not dictate my present or my future. And I love that. And that, mm -hmm. that's literally how I feel because the moment I get back on social media, a girl named Kaylin, which is my name, mm -hmm. follows me. With a C. With a C. Mm -hmm. And follows me. I and, did see that picture. Yeah. See? And she looks just like me. She's a white female version of me. Yeah. She's ugly as sin. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, and I would have never thought like that was actually someone in the gym months prior that I talked to where I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to know this person. I have to know this person. Now I get to know this person and I don't have to worry about, you know, jealousy or having to hide it or sneak it or whatever the case may be. Like I can actually be who I am, which is a, per a people person. Absolutely. All right. So um, thank you for joining us on this part. And we're going to move into Doc Talks DX, which is uh, exclusively on Patreon. And so, Kaylin, thank you for joining us here for Doc Talks today. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at who is Kaylin, K A Y L O N. You can find me on Snapchat at who is Kaylin. And you can find me on Facebook at who is Kaylin. And you haven't added me back on Snapchat yet, just FYI. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. All of my social media links are at the bottom of that website. Be sure to follow us on Patreon for Doc Talks DX. And of course, Doc Talks is a part of the B Frank Network. And you can find all of our podcasts there at bfranknetwork.com. Kaylin, once again, thank you for thank you. being with us here. And everyone have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.